It's Kamenetsky Brothers Land of Lakers podcast. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky coming to you. Uh, first one, Andy. First full podcast relaunching independently, like Christian Slater. <laughs> well, it's always good to open with a pump up the volume. Right? I, I was going to say right out of the gate, Brian, you are dating yourself yeah. as always. You can take the boy out of ESPN. Well, I, I was trying to figure out <laughs> where to go. I was trying to figure out where to go. Like who are who are the independent operators in this space? The people who are, are disruptors, Andy, who are, are taking this thing and turning it on its ear and threatening the establishment. Who are those people? And it's uh, Christian Slater in Pump Up the Volume. I was going to say, it's actually going to be whoever plays Christian Slater in the reboot of Pump Up the Volume, which I guess in the podcast world isn't the worst idea. No, it's not. Uh, hashtag Just- copyrighted. Christian Slater's still with us, correct? <laughs> I'm not that right, but he's, 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 but he's not gonna Right, but he's not going to play Happy or oh, no, Hard Harry. Oh, That's I my know. point. Is you're I'm just making it. sure I wasn't that far out of date. No, no, you are incredibly out of date. Just because he's not dead <laughs> doesn't mean that you're not out of date. I mean, if you referenced, Brian, like a 70s movie, like if you, if you made a, a Five Easy Pieces reference with Jack Nicholson, just because Jack Nicholson isn't dead doesn't mean that the reference yeah, is might have been, But it might have been better. <laughs> it still might have been better like you know something you know the, the chicken scene or whatever um anyway so we are very excited to be back very excited to be doing the show again obviously it is uh we are on the brink of something really big with the lakers as they uh enter the playoff bubble thing uh next week we will be bringing the show every monday uh in both audio and now video form andy people can look at us um, very excited. please quite frankly get your shit together um so I, I probably could have done better myself today, mm-hmm. but I uh, will be doing that and, I'll, and bringing you some shows in between. I got to work on my lighting. Like all of these are so much more to think about. Um, the nighttime lighting we were doing the late night show worked better than what I'm currently uh, dealing with. But anyway, uh, as, as much as we can during the playoffs, certainly every Monday, really excited to bring on our sponsor, Delicious Pizza. They got two locations, Hollywood and West Adams. Uh, 20% off if you use the password Cam Brothers. Uh, that's 20% off. It's either online at deliciouspizza.com. You do it in store if you're ordering there. Andy, the pizza is awesome. It's People so should go good. eat it. It's so good. I mean, we're we're really excited to be in business with Delicious, not just because, you know, the relaunch and we, we love having, you know, a, a partner with us in that, but just the idea of actually working with a company that we love yep. the product. We both eat a lot of delicious in real life. And also too, I mean, even in the pandemic, if you, if you show up, it's worth, you know, just peeking your head, looking around just the eye candy in this place because yep. they, they have a background in music. They, they were uh, delicious vinyl. So it, it's really, really great. Whether you're going to be ordering, uh, ordering online, dropping by to, for pickup, whatever great pizza it's awesome um all right so deliciouspizza.com cam brothers for 20 percent off so andy the lakers are two and four in the bubble they lost on saturday to indiana 116 to 111 it was a tj warren show again for the pacers 39 points he's the michael jordan of the bubble yeah i mean it'll be very interesting to see how he plays out of the bubble he's you know he's had a good season but he hasn't been this good um i guess some guys react very well to the bubble uh Looking forward to one of those people being a, a member of the Lakers. Yeah, well, any of them. And so the Lakers, Lakers two and four. They won that first game against the Clippers. I'm going to give them credit for it. It was not beautiful. LeBron actually played very poorly in that game, or uh, relatively poorly. AD was fantastic. Um, but since then, Anthony Davis has been eh. very up. He's been very up and down. Well, he's had one other good game, and then three very mediocre ones. And LeBron's been pretty ordinary by LeBron standards. Certainly not that playoff LeBron thing. Uh, the root of the problem here, Andy, is the, the the Lakers simply cannot score. I mean, the offense is – this is the fourth-ranked offense in the NBA coming into the bubble, and they have – I'm just going to read you some numbers. They're 25 shooting 25% from three-point range in the bubble. That's dead last by a mile. It's not yeah. like they were that good coming in, but this is dead last by a mile. 41% also last overall just from the floor. They had the best field goal percentage in the league coming into Orlando. They are now uh, – they're shooting 41% since they got there, 73% from the line. 
Uh, their 97.9 offensive rating is obviously last. And just as a reference, Andy, Golden State, who were the worst offensive team in the NBA this year by about a point and a half, which is a lot, they averaged 104.4 points per possession uh, in, in, during the part of the season where they're playing. So the Lakers are about eight points. What is that? Or I'm sorry, six and a half points worse than the worst offense in the league right now. That's bad, and they're 19th of the 22 teams in the bubble in turnovers. That is not a recipe for a good offense, Andy. No, they've really struggled. We were talking about the outside shooting. Uh, among the rotation mainstays, only uh, Kuz uh, at almost 42% is shooting above 31% from behind the arc. The next closest is AD at 30%. Then you start going down LeBron at 28.6. KCP, 27.9. Danny Green, 20%. Caruso and, and Deion Waiters, both around 15%. J.R. Smith, 0.0. He's got the Mr. Blutarski. He's got the Blutarski grade point average. And it's also concerning too, Brian, because like you said, th this has never been a great outside shooting team to begin with. But heading into the season. Yeah, they were I, like 16th, 17th in the league, you know, pre-restart. I, I wrote about this uh, for The Athletic. Heading into the last 10 games before the season was paused, they were shooting just 31% over those 10 games. And for example, a guy like KCP very quietly had been in a real slump from behind the arc of mm -hmm. over like the last couple months heading into that pause. You know, he, he had been so hot for a while and he picked up his game so much from just that miserable start that I think it's, and the Lakers, you know, were coming off that, that huge weekend with wins over the Bucks and the Clippers. It had kind of flown under the radar that, you know, KCP kind of back into that shooting slump that, that began the season. And, you know, we're, we're seeing the, the 10 games, too, that the Lakers were not shooting well uh, from behind the arc. Their bad numbers were lifted up a lot by LeBron and AD. Right. Like AD in particular. AD, AD was shooting, AD was like around close to 40% after the uh, post-All-Star break. So, I mean, he was, he was shooting very well. So, it's, it was around, he was 41% for the, those final 10 games before uh, the season was paused. So, this is something that the Lakers need to figure out, but also, too, is something that you look at and you say, all right, their overall offense, I have faith in them that it's going to get better on balance. But, right. but this part of it, though, is going to be up and down and something they're going to have to play through. Well, you can be, you can be a bad three – not bad. It's hard to be bad at three, but you can be an ordinary three-point shooting team and still win a lot of games and be a good offense. You can be an ordinary free-throw shooting team and still win games. You can be an ordinary, uh, you know, turnovers. Like maybe you turn the ball over a little too much and still be a decent offense. You can't do all of those things. Like you can't be bad at all of that stuff. And they, they're not just, you know, like disappointing or a little below their standard for the year. They have been flat bad since, uh, since the bubble. And it's, it, it is, to say the least, it's problematic. I, you know, the, the question becomes – what can you do? And, you know, and I, I think this is where, you know, you start asking questions like how much does Avery Bradley not being there make a difference? How well, much you know, can you get? Hold on. Let's, I just like, how can you get, you know, uh, you know, what the, the Dion waiters, like what about KCP? What about all of these things? But let's start with Bradley because it's, it's at least part of it. Like not having him there. I have a theory in terms of why he is, why his absence is hurting the offense. He's one of the only guys on this team who regularly uses an in-between game. Like everyone else is pretty much at the rim or they're behind the arc. You know, it's basically like Kuzma and Bradley are really the only guys who regularly do a lot in the mid-range. Right. And Bradley's actually pretty effective there. And also, too, it's just something different in terms of, you know, in, in terms of what you have to scheme against, in terms of giving you like a different type of wrinkle. Like it's, it's something else the Lakers could go to and right now, it's pretty much been all either driving to the rim or from behind the arc where they're not hitting anything. And in, in that sense, yeah. I, think, I, I think they're missing Bradley. I mean, beyond the stuff that he does, you know, defensively and, you know, be able to pick up 94 feet. And I think in some ways just disrupt what the other team is doing. Offensively, I, I think they just miss having something different than what they're doing. Now. It's, but part of it is too, Andy. I think that it's... 
is he awesome? Is Avery Bradley the solution to a great offense? No, he's not. But he's another guy. Like Vogel has been playing. It's something else. It's another guy that when four shooters are ice cold, you can turn to the fifth guy and say, what about you? And Bradley is, he's had moments where he was pretty bad and he's had stretches where he was amazing. But it's when, when you're Vogel and you've been, Frank Vogel, and you've been playing kind of that, that rotation roulette with guys who aren't AD and LeBron all season long, and now all of a sudden you just have fewer choices. You have fewer mm-hmm. options. And, you know, and, you know, Rondo is an option. He's not there. We'll be back at some point. It, it hurts. And I do think one thing that we kind of maybe glossed over, you know, sort of the royal we, and Lakers fans, because you look at the record with, with KCP as a starter, it was 17-3 and three in, the reg- in, in the regular season when Bradley was out. The metrics, the, the advanced numbers show the, line, the starting lineup with Bradley is significantly better, particularly defensively, than the starting lineup with KCP. Sure. And so I think we're starting to see a little bit of that there too. Um, and obviously that's not anything that you can fix. And maybe uh, you, you turn to uh, Andy, a shot creator, uh, and Dion Waiters. Um, well, how's that, how's that going? Um, he was great in the scrimmages. I mean, yes. Dion, Dion Waiters came out of the gate because we, we had not seen him with the Lakers at all. He never uh, took the court before the season stopped. And those first few games in the scrimmage, Dion played really, really well. Since then, he's gotten progressively worse. Over the six games the Lakers have played that actually count, he's averaging 10 points a game on 10 shots a game. That's not that efficient. No, 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 it is not. 36% overall from the floor. Um, and some, some of the things that Dion does that have always been problematic, whether you're talking you know, defensively, whether you're talking about just the excess dribble-dribble, they, they start to become more pronounced you know, in these moments where he's shooting you know, below 40% from, from, the, uh, from the court. Like, uh, he didn't play at all in the loss against Indiana. For that matter, neither did uh, J.R. Smith, who's been miserable. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, look, neither one of us don't thought. Need, we don't need to talk about him. Well, I mean, neither if one we, of us thought. If the Lakers get to J.R., if we get to a point where we're talking about a lot of J.R. Smith, things have gone very wrong. Right. I mean, I was just going to say, neither one of us thought J.R. was going to be a part of the rotation to begin with, you know, not right. a regular part of it. But, you know, him, him and Dion both sitting, uh, Quinn Cook and Taylor Horton Tucker, getting a lot of extended minutes, you know, on, on one hand, I, I think Frank Vogel is tinkering because he has the luxury of being able to do it now because the Lakers have uh, the number one seed locked up. But I do think that Frank Vogel actually is looking right now for something that might work better because, you know, collectively the offense has been struggling so much and Dion is starting to do some of the things that make you skeptical about Deion Waiters in the Correct. And like, this is what, I mean, weren't we all kind of hoping, you, you hope against, and Waiters is not a terrible player, and he's had moments where, but you're sort of, and you saw it in the scrimmage, it's like the concept of Deion Waiters, like what the ideal version of Deion brings to the Lakers, a secondary shot creator, a guy who can move the ball a little bit, and an underrated yeah. guy for assists, he can pass the ball a little bit, but like, you get those good moments, and he's the type of guy, particularly since it's somebody that they haven't had, Andy, I think, um, where the good moments, like one good moment, kind of overshadows like eight bad ones until you start really looking at it because you're so excited that he was out there and you have this tool in the toolkit that well, you stop paying too. attention to the other stuff. Well, I was going to say, too, with Dion, and you know, we saw this uh, a few years ago with Kuzma, you know, his rookie year. With Dion, there's a found money factor. Because if it works, you feel like you're the one team that was smart enough to recognize what he could bring to the table when he was, you know, a street free agent, cut by the Grizzlies, you know, exiled by the Heat this year. I mean, they, they, you know, three suspensions. I mean, look, I mean, who among us hasn't been suspended three times from our job? And like before we get fired, it happened. I mean, like, why are we so tough on like, you know, there but by the grace of God go we. You know, we could all it could happen to any of us. Who among us hasn't maybe eaten one more bite of that gummy that we should? That's right. I haven't been on a flight lately, so I it's hard for me to really identify with it. But like flying is scary, Andy. It, you look up in the sky at an airplane; it shouldn't work the way it does. Like I remember thinking that one day, looking at it, I've been kind of scared of flying ever since. Like that doesn't make sense to me. The, the iron bird flying in the sky. And oh. I don't blame Dion for taking a little bit too much gummy. 
Oh, I was going to say, though, I mean, whatever, I, I mean, I have no idea if Dion Waiters is afraid of flying or not. I, I, I mean, he's been doing this pretty much his whole life. So, I mean, I'm not going to go there. But I am willing to state, even without having talked specifically to Dion about this, it would be weird to all of a sudden have the drugs hit while on a flight. Like, th that's a weird place to all of a sudden have it just go... Yeah, no, right. If, if you weren't expecting it, oh, but it's, I mean, but wow, like, do you not think that, do you not think that he knew what was coming? I mean, no, what, no but, but someone slip him a Mickey no, in the, uh, no, in the, no, in the no, hotel no. bar. It's no, it's the, if it's more than you expect, that's if true. The effect is more than you were counting on. Like if you've ever been more high oh, or no, more I, on drugs in college, plan to be my first speaking. experience with edibles in college. Uh, were these guys, I was, my, my, my junior year I spent overseas um, with, and there were these Australian guys, or sorry, Irish guys who lived on our floor. Like literally, they camped out on our floor. We called them the lads. The lads mm -hmm. didn't have a lot of money, uh, but right. they did have a lot of weed. And so they mm -hmm. paid us in, in pot brownies and stuff. As one does. As one does. It was a very lovely gesture from the lads. And so they gave me one. I'd never had an edible before I ate the brownie. It was, it was you know, a little, little it was okay. But it didn't really do much. So I grabbed one more on the way That's out the, the door. That's the problem with edibles. I, the right. And I they... didn't know that. And I, you know what movie we went to see? The English Patient. Now, that, <laughs> that turned into, into a long evening. I was going to um, say, that movie's long anyway. Right. And, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So I was zooted <laughs> sitting with my friend watching The English Patient. Now, that, I, had to re I really did have to rewatch it to decide whether or not I thought it was a good movie. My initial viewing wasn't helpful. Two things. I mean, first of all, in terms of uh, uh, experiences involving drugs gone bad, uh, first of all, inappropriate movies to see high. When I was in high, you, you know this, when I was in high school, uh, my buddy Dave and I went with a bunch of girls that we were friends with to go see the movie Beaches with Bette Midler and Barbara Hershey. Yeah. And I don't know how we came up with this very, very wrong information. But we were under the impression that Beaches was this laugh out loud comedy. So we got really, really stoned before this movie. And it took about five minutes to realize that it's this not, is not a laugh. It's not, it's not a laugh. No, I mean, it's not even a laugh really on the inside kind of movie. No, it's like there's a no, really, really shouldn't be laughing at all. No, it's a very serious melodrama. And the problem was the more and more serious this movie got, the funnier we found it. And we kept laughing and laughing and it was upsetting the girls we were with who were like, you know, already sobbing. Like, you know, they, right. they were the prime demographic for this. Then finally there's this scene where Barbara Hershey is in the hospital, like tubes everywhere on the verge of death. It's really serious. Bette Midler is losing it. They're going through all the things in their life that they encountered. And I burst out laughing, which leads to Dave bursting out laughing, which leads to the girls telling us, get out get out of the theater. Right. <laughs> we spent the rest of this movie in the lobby laughing. Um, the other time, and I'm not going to go too far down this road because it really could take us off track. Not like let's now. Just, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, if you take too much substances, you might fear that you ran a guy out of college. <laughs> because my freshman year in our dorm, there was a night where I, I feared that I made a guy leave college <laughs> because I reacted poorly to drugs. Yeah. <laughs> you remember his name? My, no, you remember his I, name? I never met this kid before. This oh, it was just, it, was, it wasn't your roommate or anything. Oh, no. Oh, no. My, my roommate, my freshman year. It was part of the guy, problem, <laughs> if guy, I remember correctly. That guy was an expert. Uh, right. No, this was a kid that I had never seen before on our floor in my life. And to make a long story short, um, out of my mind, I made him play chess with me at like three in the morning and then passed out in his room when everything wore off. I crashed. And the next morning I Who woke won? up. Uh, <laughs> that was a joke. Don't answer that question. Just keep well, going. It was discontinued. I passed out during the game. Oh, okay. nobody won. Um, finally, <laughs> I, I, that sounds true on multiple levels. Nobody, nobody. won. No, I, I woke up the next morning. Global thermonuclear war. This guy was just sitting Indian style in his bed looking terrified. <laughs> I, I don't know why he didn't call security. I don't know why he didn't do anything. He really should have. But I just look um, over at him oh really God. sheepish and I go, I'm a little 
really sorry. And I walked out of the room and I never saw him again. Like, oh. I really fear that I made this guy leave college. It's possible. It is His very possible. future could have been ruined by me. It's possible. And you should feel bad about it. Um, I do feel bad about it. So how much of this do you think is actually going to matter in the playoffs? Because the, the thing about the Lakers in the playoffs is the entire deal is predicated on – because, like, remember the game that LeBron didn't play? Like, you look at that one and you go – this is not a good ro- – like, it's not a, like an impressive roster. It's a roster that is built specifically for LeBron to run it. LeBron and AD and, you know – But the, LeBron to run it. Right, sure, like run, but, but just the, the, the talent on the team is centered around LeBron and Anthony Davis. And it's not that they have two stars. It's that they have two stars who are, you know, if you want to use MVP voting as a as – a, kind of a, a measurement this year they have two of the five best players in the nba yeah. and so you know and and lebron has a history of not just being an mvp caliber player but a guy who cranks it up even higher in the playoffs so the lakers get playoff lebron and anthony davis who we're all kind of also expecting to elevate even from where he was in the regular season and find another five percent or ten percent or whatever it's going to be that's the found. That's the whole deal. If 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 those things don't happen, if if LeBron is ordinary or AD is disappointing, it's going to be for I think really hard for the Lakers to win because the rest of the supporting cast there is not a you know a, a third guy who's going to step up and carry them through bad I mean, AD performances. I mean, I guess. I mean, I think you can say that about every team in the league. If, but if top, if other teams in the players, other teams in the league have either more not, depth or more variety enough, in how they can do it. Not good enough to carry them through a series if the other team's best players are playing well. There's not a single team in the league that can do that. If you if you you don't think that if assume let's assume Lou Williams and Trez come back and they're able to play that you know the the Clippers have a little bit more wiggle room if Paul not George an, has nope. an off game because Lou not Williams. A, no, is you there. said both Paul George and Kawhi no. Leonard. I said if one. I no. I'm saying if. One of those things doesn't happen. LeBron and Anthony Davis both have to be excellent throughout the playoffs for the Lakers to win a title. I don't um, think they can afford for one of them to maybe, be average. Maybe, maybe for, for, Ka- I don't think they can afford do that. I think, do I think Kawhi could carry the Clippers through that? Yeah. Do I think Paul George? No. I mean, there has not been but, evidence of Paul George being able to do that. Fair I mean, point. I mean, I Kawhi's got to be great, but they, but they have more mark, but they have more wiggle room because they have, they have more. They have Lou think, Williams. They have other players. Like you know, they, if Luca's not good. The the Nuggets. I mean, sorry, the Mavericks aren't. I get your point, but the Lakers have less talent behind their best players than most of the high high end contending teams in the NBA. I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, I, I don't want to go too far into the weeds of it because ultimately they do need LeBron and Anthony Davis to play really well, just like you need, you know, all teams, the elite teams need their elite players to play well. I mean, do the Clippers maybe have a little more margin with Lou? Sure, but we've already seen Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell can't carry a team through the playoffs. I mean, we've seen them get bounced in the first round. Oh, right. But again, I think the point is these Kawhi guys then, have to be. Why every- then, though, has it's ultimately to me, sure. if say Paul George or if say Giannis with the Bucks was really struggling in a series, to me, it, it falls more on Chris Middleton to carry the Bucks or falls more on Paul George than say Eric Bledsoe or Lou Williams. Like, I don't think it's actually the third or fourth guys that, that become the difference makers there. It's how much is that second guy struggling? Because the playoffs ultimately are about that. Sure. Just you, the, the better your roster is, the more depth you have on your roster, the more sure. margin for error you have to absorb a bad game or a bad pair of games from somebody important at the top of it. Um, you know, I, I just say it's to me, that's, that's kind of hard to. Well, I mean, look, if the, if the Lakers, I mean, right now, if nobody is playing well, well no this version is this is not going to work aren't going no this is not going to work against any right. of the eight you know the teams that they might play in the first round what they're doing now um it's an extreme but, version of it but you know if the lakers continue playing like this you know they could get bounced by portland in the first round. absolutely there's like no question this. there's no question i i did read it was an interesting you know you kind of look about you know both of us have been concerned about the limits to their versatility. Like if you take away a thing, you know, and teams have been just, it really, it seems to me that the, the plan is going to be, let's not try to take LeBron out of the game. You kind of can't take LeBron out of a game. He's sort of too smart for that in terms of, 
if you throw too many double teams at him, you can like he's so good at moving the ball, finding it. It seems like teams are very aggressively going to try to uh, attack Anthony Davis with a lot of double teams, um, and that's what a lot of teams have been doing, and 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 disrupt his rhythm to minimize him in the I playoffs. I actually think it depends on the team. Because I think that I, I think a team like the Clippers, for example, that are so built to stop LeBron or slow LeBron, I could see them or like the mm-hmm. Raptors. You know, if say it ended up a Lakers. Raptors, well, the Raptors threw a ton of bodies at AD. I mean, but they also but they also throw they also throw a ton of guys at LeBron too. I mean, they, well, yeah, they're just a great. A they're a great defensive team. Right. I think I think it depends a lot on you know who you have. Like you know Houston, we saw them throwing a, a lot of stuff at AD, but I think that is in part because they really don't have anything to throw at LeBron. At all, I think. Sure, I, I think I think that's fair. I, I, if you if you have to choose though, as an opposing coach, which of those guys that I think that you believe you can an impact question. more? It's an interesting question. I think the answer is Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis doesn't have the the track record. I mean, I realize he's he's been in the playoffs and he's he's had some good rounds and you know, but but he's never been. He's never been both deep into the playoffs or expected to go deep into the playoffs. No, this so is this a, is a this different is a, deal. Oh, this is absolutely something new for Anthony Davis. I mean, I, if I were an opposing coach and I really thought I had the capabilities to, to focus in on dis, disrupting LeBron effectively, that would be my first choice because if you can make that work, the, the Lakers will fall apart. That being said, though, AD is probably the safer bet. Right, because LeBron is really, really difficult to do, and that. teams have been trying to do that for years. I mean, like right. you know, and so you know, there's a thirty-five years old. It's the bubble, and LeBron's talked about it. It's like it's a different deal. It's now you to some degree, and this is one of the things that I think is interesting about it is just you know how much previous experience can you take in? And LeBron mentioned it, uh, you know, after the game on on Saturday that like it's not the same. Like the the ramp up. The lessons, the you know, the rhythm of it—it's not the same as every other playoff year. It's a little bit different, and so some of the lessons that this championship roster has—a lot of guys who've been through a lot of playoffs—don't necessarily apply. Now, the flip side of that, I think, Andy, is that you could say because they have so much experience, they're more equipped to more quickly figure out what the the new world order is, but it. It could at least mitigate a little bit of some, you know, some of the the advantage they the Lakers might have had if everything had been normal. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to say right now what anything it is. Look I mean, like. like you you could play maybe uh, in you know inaccurate uh, but armchair psychiatrist with a team like Phoenix, who's been surprisingly killing it in the bubble. They may be five and zero so, as we talk today on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, they may be so collectively inexperienced that they don't even know that this isn't normal. You know what I mean? Like, like they don't have so much ingrained in their head of what the experience is supposed to be like as you're ramping up. I, you know what? As, as young and stupid as they are, I'm fairly sure they have at least a basic understanding that this isn't normal, but I understand your point. No, but but, I mean, but De- when Devin Booker, for example, has never, I mean, like, he's never experienced what this is supposed to be like because his teams are basically done by February. Well, also, too, there is, the, I think there's the element of, you know, I don't even want to say the, the uh, the revenge. Fa- I'm, I'm not saying they came with a chip on their shoulder because Andy, everyone, including you, Andy Kamenetsky, including you, wondered why the Phoenix Suns were there. Um, yeah, it's, because it was a reasonable question to ask. You, I mean, it's like who from who a bleeping cares? Standpoint from a from a COVID standpoint, right? It was it was not to bring right. I agree, but you know, I'm glad they did. Now it's fun, it but fun. and the bubble seems to be working that way. But it it's one of those deals where you enter this thing with so little pressure and so little expectations yeah. that you can just get out there and kind of YOLO and, and, you know, they've got talent on the team. It's not that they're completely without it. I mean, but nobody thought they'd be five and zero. but also too, I wonder if teams, you know, bubble teams were taking them particularly seriously too. It's like you, you relax because you're playing Phoenix today. It's our gimme game um, as opposed to, you know, one of the, the better teams in the conference, in either conference. We'll see. If they got in, it would be amazing. That would be really interesting. I, mean, I would, again, assuming the Lakers get their shit together, which, again, if they don't, 
then none of this matters. Right. But assuming they do, I don't think Phoenix would have a prayer against no, them. No, no, no. But, but at least could be fun. If nothing else, this has been great for Devin Booker because he, I mean, I think he's really been able to showcase a lot of what he can do as a player. I, and, and this is the first time we've seen Devin Booker play games that mean right, anything, anything, anything at all. And he's really done well. I, um, I was really starting to get a, not frightened like I thought they would win a series, but like way harder than you would want an opening round series to be with the uh, the Trailblazers. Then they blew that game on Saturday. That was terrible. Uh, and like it's not out of the question as much as we've been focused on Portland. They might not even get in. San Antonio yeah. won again on Sunday. You know, Phoenix apparently is the greatest bubble team of all time. Like you cannot beat them. It is not out of the question that the Blazers don't even get in, which would be both surprising and disappointing on some level because it's a fun team. And, you know, with Nurkic back, like, you can tell they're better. Oh, they're way better. But they absolutely blew that game on Saturday to the Lakers' benefit. I mean, they, to me, unless you disagree, Andy, I think they're the most dangerous team of any of the, the ones that could get in. Absolutely. Without question. I mean, just what Nurkic has brought on both sides of the ball – you know, he, he's the type of guy that can have five blocks and five assists at the center position. And he is, he's an incredibly, I think, underrated playmaker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the ability to take some of that, that responsibility out of Lillard and McCollum's hands. You know, Carmelo Anthony has been good. Well. Skinny Mellow's been good. Skinny Mellow has he, – he's played well. You know, I mean, it's interesting. Like, when the Blazers signed Mellow – you know, I was neither super high on it nor super low on it. Like, I got the logic. I was like, you know, I get that they're hemorrhaging points defensively, but there's nobody out there that's going to help with that. So you might as well bring in somebody who at the time was going to be playing the four because Ariza was there playing the three and Collins was out. I'm like, if nothing else, he can try to make your offense better. Like, try to right. make just something better. And, you know, he, he's playing really nicely. Collins makes a difference. Well, the, you know, look, the team – I mean, it's, it's less white side. This team made the Western Conference Finals last year. It's, yeah. You don't have to go back – last year seems like it was in 1928, but it wasn't. It was last year, and they were a Western Conference finalist. So, you know, I They're I the think team I would want to play the least. Least, the I agree. And so, um, you know, in summary, Lakers obviously – this like. I, you know, they, we'll see what happens if they just go back to the mean of what they were, a 35, 34.5% three-point shooting team, you know, where Dwight and JaVale, you know, shoot at a high percentage. They get out right. Michael Pina uh, wrote a great story uh, at GQ. We'll tweet it out. Um, talking about how the Lakers struggle in the half court, uh, which is sure the 19th in the league coming into the bubble. That's gone down. Uh, in half-court offense since uh, the beginning of the season. And so, like, they got to figure out how to pick up the pace a little bit and get themselves some easy baskets, get out in transition, get those lobs to Dwight, get the lobs to JaVale. The offense just has – defensively, they've been good. That's not the problem. Defensively, they, they can't get a bucket when they need one. Do you think – really quick, I don't want to spend too long on this. But yeah, we have other things to talk about. I, Vogel playing uh, Kalen Horton Tucker extended minutes over two games. Do you think there's any chance that I do would, now? That, that I was going to say I do now. I did before. I thought it was to get him a little experience, and now I think it's this. I feel I'm like looking around been, here, and I don't see what I need to see. We right. may not get it from Jr. Is not going to give it to us. No. Dion may not give it to us. I might have to break the glass on this thing at some point like in the playoffs. Be, I was going to say, I feel like he's being evaluated right now like, like a, a young doctor who you know went to medical school and graduated, but he hasn't quite spent enough time as a resident, but all of a sudden he's being required to do surgery. Like there's a, you know, first do no harm. Right. And I, and I imagine he's looking at Horton Tucker saying, okay, it's not so much about his skill set, even though it matters. It's how many mistakes is he going to make? Because he's really inexperienced. Before before the bubble, I think he had played like five regular season minutes. I mean, like yeah, no, I th- no, I, I think you're right, and I, he is he's, I think he's the youngest player in the league, isn't he? He's among them. I mean, he's, he's got. I mean, he's, I was close, but I, I he, thought I think he might actually young, be the youngest player in the he league. Was Eighteen, I believe. For he, had, he had a season. good G League season. He didn't 
you know, wasn't the G League MVP, but he had a, a solid season. I, I really do think, you know, and, and he's too. trying not to say it, but I do think Frank Vogel is looking too. at this going, I might have to, do, like, depending on what we need and when, I do wish Horton Tucker was, like, three inches shorter and maybe had, like, one more inch on his wingspan. Because when you watch him run around, like, he's got a seven-foot wingspan. He's, like, he's like five four. <laughs> yes. and it is i mean is all one of the strangest these, i realize they're all seen. nba they're these guys are all nba players they're all built in unusual ways and they have long arms he's really unusually built he, it is rare that you can look at a guy and be like well, that doesn't seem right he's a little like the airplane that i was uncomfortable with it doesn't seem like it's work his arms are very clearly the wrong size for his body like somebody when they assembled him at the factory got it wrong they got the specs wrong and it's good for him, but it is very strange looking on TV. Like, he doesn't dribble. He just taps the ball on the ground while he palms it. Is that legal? I don't know. He, uh, watch, watching Horton Tucker, though, like, in terms of things that are promising, if you had to put him on the floor, he doesn't, he doesn't play outside of what I think Vogel wants him to do. Correct. He hasn't seen too much like he's sped up while he's out there or the game looks super sped. I mean, he – Made some defensive mistakes. Like, you know, you, you see him, like, there were a few times he's been literally faked off his feet. Right. You know, but this is also, too, these are guys who are better than him, more experienced. He's still, I'm sure. And also, learning. like, who's the alternative? It's not like if you put Deion Waiters on the floor, you're going to get no, but I mean, like, from, results from his on that side. I'm just saying from Horton. Oh, no, I understand. But it's like, it's, but like some, some of that's tall. Quinn Cook yeah. has been in the league for a long time. He's still a pretty lousy defender. Yes, he is. Um, had a nice game against. Uh, he did, but he was nice still a minus eight, six. you yeah. know, despite yeah. the output. Yeah, not I mean, a good. He's just not a good defender. No, he isn't. He, the efforts there, he just isn't. He never has been. I think never will be. You know, Horton Tucker doesn't seem to be, to my eye, mm. making a ton of mistakes, which I think will help. And you know, he, our very, four, very keen and well-trained eyes. But you know, I mean, you can you know tell, what? and it pops I, I up re- in post games and all kinds of stuff. I a lot of stuff watching because I really have been curious about sure. this. Um, and you know, he had four steals against Houston. He hit two threes um, against Indiana. It would not shock me no, if he I, ended I, up the 10th guy. I agree. I think there's a possibility that he plays, which is... I didn't think there was a prayer before. No, I, did, I, I didn't before. I do think there's a chance he plays now, which is probably a red flag, to be perfectly honest. Like, going into the playoffs, that is probably a red flag. It's not ideal. Frank Vogel does not want to be going, I want to play that. Like, I, or like where he's busting through... It's not, it's not what Michael Porter Jr. is doing in Denver right no. now. It's no. not that. No. Um, where he's like, he, he, that guy's busting through and becoming like a go-to guy on a team with a lot of good players on it. Yeah. Um, just a reminder, Cam Brothers, 20% off uh, at deliciouspizza.com. You go online uh, or in-store. Cam Brothers, you tell them that and you get 20% off your yep. pie. Uh, or whatever else you order there. Locations West Hollywood, Hollywood and West, West Adams. Adams. Really good. Go eat it's the pizza. So it's good. delicious pizza. That's why they call it that. Also because of the vinyl, but also because it's delicious. Um, Frank Vogel, Andy, was not one of the three finalists for Coach of the Year. You and I are not necessarily awards people. Um, I don't. Neither one of us get super wrapped up in this. It was uh, Budenholzer in well, they don't even Milwaukee. Let us vote, so in some ways, not our business. I'm not allowed to vote in even real elections. <laughs> I'm not allowed to vote in anything. <laughs> Uh, Budenholzer, Nick Nurse, You're not even and, a felon. What's that about? And Billy Donovan. Just people don't think I I, I should do it. It's irresponsible. Felons, here's by the here's way, my take on this. Vote, but that's another story. I uh, I I'm not I I I would I would have put him in there instead of Bud. Me too. But I also would have put Eric Spolstra in instead of Bud. I think you can make an argument for Taylor Jenkins in Memphis. Yeah, he's been somewhere really in there. That team could make the playoffs, Andy. That team is supposed to win 16 games this year. Well, and I mean, they're they, going to make. They expected to win so few games that they sat Andre, they, you know, had Andre Iguodala just off to the hanging, side. Hanging just all right. year. I mean, because nobody, Iguodala or Memphis, thought they actually were going to win games. And right. And if they actually Iguodala's get in, time. they've had some injuries. They've, I mean, it's not like it's been smooth sailing. Yeah. And now if they manage to hold on to that spot without Jaron Jackson Jr., like, that's really impressive. You could put Taylor Jenkins in there. Nate McMillan doesn't get nearly enough love for the season that they had in Indiana. Like, so there are a lot of candidates that you could put in there. And it's hard for me to get worked up that Vogel didn't get there. But I do believe when you look and you break down all the stuff that the Lakers have been through 
over the course of the year, he's got a strong case to make. I just, yeah, he does. He does. I mean, it's, it's, it's not offensive hard. that he wasn't there. It's hard with Budenholzer because, you know, coach of the team with the best, you know, who's been best team in the league, you know, I mean, best record in the league. And we know Budenholzer is a good coach. My vote would be for Nick Nurse. And I think Nick Nurse is going to win. I agree with you. I think in very short order, he has established himself as one of the best coaches in the entire league. You know, he's really, really good. And Billy Donovan, I think, has done a terrific job, too. I would have Vogel as my third. But it's, it's one of those things, though, where I will say this. I don't think it's a matter of Vogel not getting respect or getting overlooked. There, there's been a lot of talk, and I think an appreciation this year. I think I mean, so. Not just locally, but even nationally, of everything Vogel's done this year in terms of you know, walking into a scenario where he was like the 80th choice with, you know, Jason Kidd perceived as the guy looking over his shoulder with a knife ready to stab him, you know, like he's had that all year. He's had the fiasco in China. He's had the death of Kobe Bryant. Like there, there's been, he's had to get guys to buy in really quickly. And in a lot of ways by guys, I mean, LeBron and mm-hmm. he, you can tell he won as much as I think LeBron was aware that it was in his best interest to work well with Frank Vogel because you don't want to be seen as the guy who's run two coaches out of town. Correct. Where it starts looking like maybe the problem is LeBron. But even that being said, I think Vogel won LeBron's respect in a sincere yeah, way pretty quickly. I agree. I agree. And, and it's, he's been really good this year. I think, you know, really you could good. say, well, the Lakers, they have Anthony. They have two of the five best players in the NBA. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, they've been – pretty healthy you know for the the the, the most important players in the team have been pretty healthy this year yep um there's that you know all those things but i think vogel's done an excellent job with a a a better roster than they had last year and a more uh well constructed roster but still one where you got to pull some strings and he's done so i i think the reward for him is all the people going hey what about frank vogel um yeah i would I, i think putting him in the top three would have been deserved. He's certainly worthy of it. He wasn't going to win anyway, though. Correct. I mean, that's the thing, though. I mean, I think I think Nick Nurse will win, and in that sense, it wouldn't matter if Vogel was there or not. Um, before we go, we always like to take a quick look at what's been sort of trending over the week on Twitter. Fun things that have been popping up on social media, Andy, uh, because we're we're hip. Um, two guys, twenty-two year olds from Gary, Indiana, Tim and Fred Williams. They're twins. They uh, they kind of blew up this week. Because yeah. of a video of them watching Phil Collins in the air tonight, or hearing, literally it hearing it for the first time. That's what they do uh, at their YouTube channel. It's the Twins, the new trend, and it's a show where they just watch. They listen to new, listening. right? They listen to music for the first time, and so they're listening to in the air tonight. And they get to the part with the and their faces just like go whoa! It's like oh my god! And uh, that reaction essentially went viral. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And like, it's then you start so digging through fun. all of their stuff. Like they listen to Jolene for the first time. They listen to like Nirvana for the first time. Yeah, Johnny old... Cash is hurt. Uh, Led Zeppelin, whole lot of love. Like basically yeah. they're they listening to a lot to of them. old soul music and stuff too, that they may not have heard. You they're know? just listening to a lot of old music pure. I mean, they, they're in their early twenties, I believe. If 22. Not younger. 22. 22. I mean, so they're super young. Um, but they, it, what's really cool about what they're doing is they clearly went into this not with the idea of we're looking for ways to cap on this music. We're, they went into it looking for ways to genuinely love it. Like, okay, let's explore something we know nothing, nothing about. Nothing about, yeah. And what's, what's awesome is, like, often the easiest way to sell stuff through social media, to go viral, you know, whatever. Like, snark can be the easiest way. You know, making fun of shit can be the easiest way to get that reaction. They've been going about it the opposite, which I think, you know, combined with their sincere reactions to all this stuff, it's just really fun. Right. And, and quite frankly, really and I, I read this in a couple articles, like, you know, are you surprised? What, why do you think people are so surprised by you? And they're like, in part, because we're, you know, young black kids listening to a lot of white music and like, you know, mm-hmm. you know people don't expect it and all that. But I, there is an optimism to watching this yeah. stuff that is awesome. And, and by the way, these guys clearly have some pretty good taste. Like, they understand, like, what's a good song, even if it's sort of outside your genre and outside, you know, your, your, your experience or, or what is, uh, what's popular among your friends. So 
but it is it is kind of fun to just kind of think about it's hard to remember like i don't i don't get a chance to listen to a lot of really new music anymore um it's i don't i don't i don't read anymore i don't do anything anymore children ruin everything yeah they do but I do, I do, there are a couple moments I remember. Yeah, three like, times I, the children that I do. So, I mean, you're, it's, you're, and it's, 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 you're at, least, it's at least two too many. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time I heard Abbey Road and listened to that all the way through. I remember exactly the first time I listened to Purple Rain and to um, uh, Around the World in a Day. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I heard like a real jazz song which was my favorite things by John Coltrane. Yeah. And like it's the entryway for a lot of people. It is. And and but like that that made an like these little moments that like make an impression where you can feel like a little door opening. They're really cool. I wish yeah. there were more of them. Well, I I started thinking about with this like if I could go back what I would want to hear again for the first time and like these are just a few of the songs uh that came to me. Like it it's funny like I'm such a big Prince guy. But I like Prince didn't come to mind for me just because his stuff, like I still hear new and different things, you know, after like 20, 30 years of listening to his stuff, like I still hear things and notice things. So like a lot of Prince didn't come to mind. Like I would love to hear either uh, Are You Experienced or Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix, like particularly Are You Experienced? I remember hearing that and having my mind blown by just the construction of the song, because it's a really unusually, the sound is unusual, the pace of it is really unusual, like the guitar the, the, solo the, the of it. The energy on that song, right. like, just like the, the drive of that song. And, and like the, the effect of it too, like the, the effects being used, like a lot of it sounds like it's almost running backwards. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a really, and I remember, I heard it for the first time like in fifth or sixth grade, and my mind just being blown by like, okay, you can do this, like, I didn't know you could do this in a song. Um, Radiohead, everything in its right place off Kid A. Like, the sound yeah. of that is so different and unusual. You know, it was unusual for them, but also just, you know, they're one of my favorite bands. And it, it really was like the inflection point of, I think, of a, a brand new direction for them. Uh, Higher Ground by Stevie Wonder. Mm. I would love to be able to hear that again for the first time. Uh, Inner City Blues by Marvin Gaye like off an album I and mean, frankly being able to hear what's going on again I mean, for the first time would be amazing and then the last one that popped to mind for me brian um and and i'm thinking about this specifically from the perspective of an adult versus you know being able to hear it again for the first time when i was i want to say 17 the album paul's boutique by the beastie mm, boys for because sure the fir- because the first time i heard it i didn't get it like the album was so far ahead of its time and so not licensed to ill too, which is what everybody, including me, wanted. And the album is so just dense in the way it's created and all the samples on top of samples and so out there. I remember that when I heard it in high school, like I didn't hate it. I just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And it took me like a couple years later. It was like my first albums like that are fun, where you have to kind yeah. of go into them a little bit. Right. Like you know, you, Radiohead's a little like that, where you just you you can like something on the first listen, but you have to give it three. Or, but, they don't. I don't want to say like album making in that way. It's different. Kind of doesn't exist anymore. Alba, well, albums that way. don't have the same currency as the like you know album so, end to end song. I'm not song. saying it's it's literally non-existent, but it's it's not what it was. No, no, it isn't. Um, you know, I mean, I, I have friends in the music industry. I'll say the same thing. Right. But like, I would love the ability to hear Paul's Boutique for the first time as somebody that could get it. You know, because again, my first, my first experience hearing it was just, I don't, I don't get this. Would you rather go back and listen to Paul's Boutique for the first time and have that experience or have sex for the first time and have that experience? You mean of, of getting it, like knowing what I'm supposed to be doing like that? I, I interpret the question however you will. Well, I mean, you, you posed it. Um, well, I did. Because, I, I, I mean, a lot of people would just automatically jump to sex. But I actually think because of like the first time, like, I'm not very good at it. You don't really know. You're mostly, I mean, I remember personally, it was mostly I was just going, I'm having sex. <laughs> like, I wasn't really enjoying it. I had no idea um, what I was supposed to be doing. You know what? I, I think honestly. It's just like not a virgin anymore. All I, right, move along. I think I'd go with the music. I, I feel too. like, the, I, well, because I, the first time you hear music, 
there's going to be other first times for music, like first time with sex, sort of just first time with sex. And I think it would be sort of weird to have, I mean, first of all, you start getting into way too old for this to feel like. Right, no, I mean, there's, I mean, if you break the question down, there are problems, but you understand what I'm getting, like, you know, sort of in first time things. I actually I think, think it's the music. I agree I with you. With the music. I yeah. think it's a more impactful experience, like in terms of the actual joy and pleasure that comes with hearing and the impact that comes with hearing the music. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and yeah. there's more, there's, I think for, you know, unless you're going to go back, I guess somehow in t- like you start getting into like big territory <laughs> where you're going like or re- reverse big or, right. you know, I, I guess you're more like, what is it like vice versa? <laughs> the judge, judge. Right? I'm not sure. I get what you're saying. You know, I'm not sure. Body, unless you're starting to get into like body switching territory. It, no, there's I, a lot to think about. I, I feel like the music is sort of the obvious answer. Yeah. But losing your virginity is it's much more like sex for the first time is much more just about like getting it out of the way for most people getting right. out of the way and, and just like not being a virgin anymore. Right. Um, all right, so that uh, go check out this stuff if you haven't seen it. There, there. Most people seem to have because their subscriber count went from like twenty thousand to three hundred and twenty thousand. Uh, the last time I looked, uh, the Williams brothers, twenty-two year olds from Gary, Indiana. Um, all right, so Andy, we made it. We made another podcast. We're back. back Land Lakers podcast. Uh, thanks again to Delicious Pizza, two locations, West Adams and in Hollywood. Twenty percent off when you tell them that the Cam brothers sent you there. And uh, we'll be back. We're every every Monday there will be a new show with other, other shows right. kind of mixed in there. And so we've got subscribe. the whole multimedia experience now. Yes, to look at this. Take you this in. It's not just podcasting anymore. No. We got we got the whole nine. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to everything. The the podcast feed, YouTube channel, Facebook, blah blah blah. The blah, whole blah. you gotta get the whole experience because in a few months Andy, we might go hologram. Yeah. And you want to be there for that. You want to make yeah. sure you're ready and you, you, you get that memo. All right, so we'll be back. At, the, at, at worst, we'll be back next week, but yeah, probably somewhere in the middle. All right, see everybody. Have a great time. Thanks for listening.